Eagles Entertainment. The journey to the draft is driven by AAA. AAA, roadside is their strong side. Make AAA a part of your game day today. AAA, go ahead. With the 21st pick in the NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select. You're listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast. Welcome to the Journey to the Draft podcast, driven by AAA. I'm your host, Fran Duffy, and day two of Senior Bowl practice is in the books. If you're just catching up with us and you have not listened to our podcast from earlier this week, I will tell you that they are definitely still applicable. You should go back and check them out. We were joined by Eagles Assistant Director of Player Personnel, Ian Cunningham. We had a head coach from Pitt, Pat Narduzzi. We had the head coach from Coastal Carolina, Jamie Chadwell, Florida State Defensive Coordinator, Adam Fuller. Daily analysis from Dane Brugger. Oh, and by the way, a full-on draft made up of just the players that are down there in Mobile, Alabama. It has been an awesome week so far, but We've got a couple more days of practice to break down. It all starts today with Draft Buzz, where I am joined by Dane Brugler to get his thoughts on what he saw in practice, as well as share what he's hearing about some momentum that's starting to build for a handful of players down there in the beautiful city of Mobile, Alabama. So we'll have some of that in Draft Buzz. But afterwards, I'm going to go take and pick six. Now, we're going to keep the conversation going. I'm going to talk about six players that stood out to me after I go through the film. There may be some of you that are wondering, why are you guys doing that separately? Well, look, we want to let Dane get on with his night. Dame has watched practice. I'll get his takeaways first. Let me burn the midnight oil. I'll stay up late. I'll watch all the film on my own. Obviously, I'm not down there. I'll go through all the film and I'll share my takeaways in pick six. So that's my plan in that segment. Afterwards, I'm going to be joined by Clemson wide receiver coach Tyler Grisham today and Mr. Relevant. And he was kind enough to join me last week to talk about two players who have just looked awesome so far, as expected. And that's two of his guys in Amari Rogers and Cornell Powell. What do those guys bring to the field, and what is it that makes them tick? These are two different skill sets, but let me say that there's one consistency that I've picked up just kind of studying those guys, and I shared that with Coach Grisham. I'll leave you with that. You can go check out that interview at the end of the show. We'll also wrap things up with a couple questions from you at home with our draft mailbag. But before we get things started, I wanted to remind you once again about jumping onto our Apple Podcast page, leaving a rating, and leave a comment. We're putting a ton of work into these daily podcasts. The least you can do Take 30 seconds, jump on there, ask a question. Yeah, all right, I did it. I laid on a guilt trip. I'm an Italian Catholic. That's what I do. I live on guilt. We'll see if it works. Head on over to the app, to Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. Any questions you've got, we'll answer them here on the show, just like we do it uh, at the end here today with our draft mailbag. All right, let's get this episode rolling. We will start things off with Dane Brugler in Draft Buzz. Now it's time for Draft Buzz. All right, well, let's dig into the action here from Wednesday's practices with my friend Dane Brugler. Dane, uh, we'll kick things off. Just a, a couple of questions before we get into the takeaways from the national practice and the American practice. First thing is, look, you, you talked about him last night on the podcast, and we talked about him a little bit leading in. But what Quinn Miners from Wisconsin Whitewater has done, uh, not just today, I know you'll, t- you'll talk about what he did today, but I went and watched all the, all the snaps from uh, Tuesday's practice. And when I got into the team drills and the nine on seven periods and just seeing what he was able to do against Levi Onzerike, who's to me one of the, is the best defensive lineman down here, uh, you know, and some of the other things, you know, some of the other guys that he was able to just get instant movement on, I was blown away. So I, I would just like to know, like, I know what I'm feeling just seeing, following the event on social media, you know, watching any media coverage. Do you feel that buzz down there? Yeah, I know sometimes you kind of feel that when you're uh, when you're in the stadium. Do you have you like kind of felt that uh, being in attendance down there? 
Oh, there's no question. Um, it, it's it's been, I would say, probably the the main buzz of first two practices. And and look, I'm a Mount Union alum, so I don't I I don't say nice things about Wisconsin Whitewater players. <laughs> uh, you know that that 2007 Stag Bowl, it still stings. I, I still think about it. But look, my, Miners has been ridiculous this week, and through two two practices, he's the easy winner of the week wow. when. You consider he didn't have a senior bowl invite until Landon Dickerson tore his ACL. That that opened wow. the door for Miners to get an invite. And remember, he didn't play this season. So you're not sure, you know, what what's what's he gonna look like, you know, uh when this D3 kid faces the best competition of his life. Uh, but he's exceeded everybody's expectations. Uh, he's balanced, he's tough, he's quick, he's mean. Uh, you know, he, he's been doing a lot of work with his body just in terms of understanding, you know, the biomechanics of, uh, you know, playing low. And uh, I think it's really helped him understand, you know, pad level and leverage. And he's been fantastic. He, he's playing lower than the rent on a burning building right now. It's been just awesome to watch. So I watched two games of his back, uh, I guess it was last week, maybe the week before. Like you said, he was a late addition to the roster. I watched North Central, which was January of 2020, so about a year ago. And then I watched Wisconsin Oshkosh uh, mm-hmm. against Wisconsin Whitewater. In those two games, I didn't see a guy that was dominant in, at that level of competition. So to see him come down here and be as dominant as he is, that, that's what's kind of taken me back because I, I didn't see this on film. And to see him do, you know, take it to another level uh, down in Mobile, is, it's something else. It's really it's, it's awesome to watch. Yeah, no question. And I, I mean, I remember going back and watching Hobart uh, when Ali Marpet was yeah. coming out of there. And, you know, he's a left tackle who dominated the competition. And so, you know, we, we could have we saw that coming a little bit when Ali Marpet goes to the senior bowl and uh, just plays outstanding. And then, you know, is a day two pick and has been a longtime pro with minors. I agree. His 2019 film was good, but it wasn't dominant. Not yep. what you would expect for a guy getting NFL buzz. And so I think, you know, really working on his body this past year, not having a season. And so having a lot of time to train and work with different, uh, you know, uh, offensive line uh, gurus and trainers, help him get the most out of his body ha- has been a huge difference for him. And it's shown this week. So it's going to be interesting now uh, as we leave Mobile uh, at the end of the week just to get a better sense. Okay, he's a late rounder PFA coming in. What is he now? You yep. know, it's when it, you have average tape at D three competition, not average, but average when you can when you uh, take into account you know the, the level of competition, and he just dominates the Senior Bowl. So how much? of a rocket ship does that put on his back and you know just how high can he go it's it's going to be a really interesting discussion that i'm looking forward to having with teams so uh the other big part of that too is that he's made a position change i mean he was right. a, a left guard that was all the snaps i saw of him uh everything i looked up was that he was just a left guard during his career he's doing this at center so even more important yeah. he's showing off uh that versatility as well uh, you know we talked on the mock draft episode earlier this week how not that many centers, not many true centers down here. And he's proven that he could be uh, that true center uh, at the pivot. So uh, great start. To well, the and week, obviously, and the not, not only that, but he's on the same team as Creed Humphrey and he's outplayed Creed Humphrey. Like they're, they're doing reps one after the other. And Creed's been solid. He's been good. He's been good. Uh, yeah. But I, I think Whitewater's completely uh, yeah. just, you know, made him be like, you know, it's, 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 
minors and then oh yeah that OU kid uh on, on the on the national squad it's been pretty impressive and I love that see like you I know you're in the thick of it because you're still referring to him as Whitewater and you know that's what every scout calls him like when they're on the road <laughs> right. and talking they're like oh yeah like they don't call him Quinn Myers like oh did you see Whitewater uh right. which is outstanding <laughs> uh so what are the things I miss not only being uh, on the ground there and you know talking with scouts talking with people around the league I miss being able to watch the the quarterbacks throw live and so I'm interested to kind of get your thoughts. Have any of the quarterbacks stood out to you specifically so far this week through two days of practice? You know, uh, honestly, not really yeah. in terms of like someone really elevating themselves. Um, you know, I think if I had to pick one quarterback uh, who has stood out, it's probably Jamie Newman, just because, you know, there was so much intrigue, uh, him being an opt out and, you know, putting some intriguing things on film at Wake Forest and then choosing not to play this past year. We didn't know what to expect. You know, what was the rust factor? Uh, but he's thrown the ball well. I, I think he's played with uh, pretty good timing. Um, you know, I, I think he's he's done well for himself. And, you know, the big thing with these quarterbacks is you want to see progression from, you know, day to day to day. And uh, that's something where I, I'm eager to see what day three brings tomorrow, just to see if uh, one of these quarterbacks can really finish strong. Uh, Mac Jones, you know, he's been throwing with nice touch, anticipation. Uh, but I would say that you can tell live just how his throws lack juice, you know. And I think, you know, we knew that based off the of film. Yep. But it, it definitely shows itself uh, when you're watching these guys uh, throw live. Well, one thing you said there was a perfect segue into my last question before we get into the takeaways for today, which was, you know, I love being able to see the guys that progress. We had day one yesterday. Uh, you get those opening day jitters out. Everybody's kind of getting accustomed to each other. Uh, I know Matt Rule did some uh, media availability this week with with ESPN and uh, you know meeting with local reporters, national reporters, and he said, you know, I didn't even have the the referees throw flags for false starts and offsides because these guys don't even know the cadence, the snap count for the quarterback. Everybody's getting used to each other on Tuesday. Who was it that made that jump into Wednesday? You're always trying to see who was a guy or two uh, that was able to kind of, you know, settle in a little bit. Was there a guy that stood out from that end of it? Yeah, I, I think sticking with the offensive line, small school theme, uh, Dave Moore from Grambling, uh, he played like a small schooler on day one, uh, but you could tell his confidence was really growing on day two. He played both guard and center, which is yep. interesting to watch. And there was one rep he had against Carlos Basham, you know, who's a big, bad dude, uh, you know, who's got all the experience in the world going up against this, you know, grambling blocker. who didn't play this year uh, and more. He didn't give ground. Uh, it was really impressive to see. And he's got some edge to him. He was blocking well after the whistle yes. uh, during practice. And so I thought, you know, he, he flashed a little bit on day one. But you could tell it was, you know, a big moment for him. Uh, day two, less of that. He played with a lot more confidence, and that was great to see. He uh, he was a guy watching watching him on film at Grambling State that I was like, yeah, like you saw the traits that got you like got you excited, and so I was excited to see what he would look like. And I agree that uh, day one, you know, still kind of getting settled in, getting his feet wet a little bit. He would get he was playing really really aggressive. You know, he would throw those two hand right. punches and lunge. And then he'd get swim right by, you know, the, the defensive lineman would swim right by him or rip right past him. Then he kind of settled in a little bit. So I'm glad uh, to hear that he, you know, did a little bit better on Wednesday. I'm excited to dig into the film a little bit later tonight. Uh, let's get now to our, our takeaways here, your takeaways, I should say. Uh, we'll start with the Dolphins side, with the national team. Uh, what was your first takeaway from that side? Uh, takeaway one, Kate Johnson, small, yeah. but play speed is big. 
Uh, he's probably going to be a slot only player and that's okay. Uh, he was consistently winning one-on-one down here day one and day two. Yep. Excellent route speed. Uh, you know, he's got a little burst off of his, that plant foot so he can separate at the break point. Uh, I mean, not bad for a former, uh, walk-on at an FCS school. He, he gives me a lot of, uh, Dennis Northcutt vibes, which I, I know it's a, a blast from the past name, but that's definitely a compliment. And you, uh, as a Cleveland guy, you can you yes. can make that comparison. I don't know if I could sit here and make that comparison. If I could say, <laughs> if I said, you know, hey, he reminds me of James Thrash, you know, maybe that right. a little bit more applicable. Uh, right. But I like that. Kate Johnson was outstanding on Tuesday. Uh, really, really, and not just in the one on ones where I'm pretty sure he, uh, you know, he pulled a. Um, a uh, what's his Alonzo Ball? He never never lost. Uh, Kay Johnson in team drills was outstanding. His ability to create yeah. some separation as well. Uh, what was your second takeaway? Uh, second takeaway: Tony Fields uh, continues to flash. Uh, Fields he didn't win the weigh-ins six one two twenty two, but he's showing well during practice. Uh, there's so many different types of linebackers out there. Give me the guys with speed and instincts, and we'll make the rest work. And that's exactly what Fields is, has been doing at practice. He's quick to trigger. He trusts what he sees. Uh, plus, it's been pretty cool to see him wearing both the Arizona and West Virginia decals on his helmet this week. So uh, I think Fields has helped himself. Yeah, he's a guy that, especially when he's got a runway, uh, you, know, you yeah. see, really see that speed really uh, you know, pop off the film a little bit. Uh, what's your third takeaway here? Demetric Felton uh, continues yeah. to impress as a receiver and show that, you know, he is not a gadget guy or a tweener. Uh, he is a legitimate pass catcher. And, you know, Ben has made the comp to Naheem Hines, uh, that style of player. And I think it fits really well. Speedy, soft hands. Uh, and he's been the fastest guy here, according to the Senior Bowl's yeah. uh, metrics, 19.8 miles per hour. So uh, catching the ball really well uh, away from his body and, and downfield, which has been really nice to see. So two things. Uh, first question, did you expect this? Uh, I, I mean, we knew he was a good pass catcher out of the backfield, but he looks even more polished than I, I expected yep. uh, in terms of, you know, like we know, you know, screens, Texas routes, you know, like we, we knew he could handle those. He's been even better in terms of downfield stuff and catching the ball away from his body, things like that. He's had outstanding grabs uh, so far this week. And the other big thing, I think it's really interesting, um, and a credit to the senior ball staff as well, to, to Jim Nagy and his crew, because remember last year they had the the receiver who was a JUCO transfer at Memphis, Antonio Gibson, That's right. and they moved him to running back. And people are like, oh, it's, you know, it's a little interesting. Oh, they're going to move him to running back. He ends up going to the league as a running back as a third-round pick. Dimitri Felton, he's making the opposite switch. And he, he was even talked about, oh, he's, he's going to be a running back. No, when the roster comes out, you know, last late last week, he was listed as a receiver and he's been a receiver this whole time and he's looked really good. So uh, credit to the senior bowl staff as well for, you know, correctly finding that prog- uh, that projection for him. Yeah, no doubt. Because I, I remember watching him because there's talks he might have come out last year and yeah. I remember studying him and I didn't really like him. I, and, you know, I didn't think he was a very good running back. I, he was OK, but, uh, you know, I thought, OK, you can catch a ball in the backfield. That's nice. Uh, and so to see him more as a receiver this week has has done wonders, uh, you know, and I'm sure obviously NFL teams are taking notice of that. I'm going to be honest. I, I didn't love his running back film, but and the, but you have to take into account what he could do in the past game and obviously right. his athleticism. So uh, that's going to bump his value a little bit. But I, I didn't love his running back film, but I love what I've seen a lot more uh, of him this week so far as a receiver. So uh, I think that'll certainly uh, help his cause moving forward, at least in my eyes. Let's go to the other side, to the Panther side, the American practice. Uh, first takeaway over there. 
So takeaway one uh, for the American practice, uh, Richie Grant uh, is the best safety in Mobile. Uh, so there's some pretty talented safeties here. Uh, Nazrul Dean from Florida State, uh, Tyree Gillespie from Missouri, a few others. But Grant, uh, he's the top guy of the group. Uh, above average play speed, uh, the drive quickness has, has really stood out. I love how he's always ball searching. Even when he's giving up completions, he's playing the ball through contact and to the ground. Uh, he, he's a playmaker. And I, I think he's really worked himself into that top two round mix. I, I think he's going to go early. You will be excited to listen to tomorrow's episode. The uh, the interview we'll have to wrap up that show uh, is with his position coach, Willie Martinez. Uh, nice. We'll talk about uh, Richie Grant and with Aaron Robinson, obviously two very talented players uh, down there in Mobile from that UCF secondary. Let's go to the second takeaway here. East Carolina tackle Deontay Smith is earning money uh, this week. Quickness, length, he's done a really nice job tying up rushers, using timing. You know, it's great that you have quickness, great that you have length, but you have the timing to put it all together, and he has. Uh, they tried him at guard today, which is a little up and down. Interesting. I, I think he's I think he's better outside of, at, uh, at tackle, uh, you know, handling space. Um, I, I think he's been one of the best tackles down here. And when you consider the, the foundational traits that he has, uh, Deontay Smith is making money down here. So watching a couple of games over the last couple of years, and he only played one game this year, if memory serves. He, he right. uh, I believe, got hurt and then called it. Um, so I had to go back to, into 2019 a little bit to watch him. He, he really struggled with his ability to anchor. And so I was interested to see what he would look like in Tuesday's practice. He got tested early. He held up. I was impressed with what he looked like uh, on Tuesday. So I'm glad to hear that he carried that through to another good performance on Wednesday. Um, interesting that they slid him into, into guard a little bit. That side, they're doing a little bit more rotating with the uh, the guys playing different positions along the offensive line. Yeah, they are. They're being uh, really creative with uh, you know these different players. Uh, you know, a few we expected. You know, Dylan yeah. Radens uh, playing both left tackle and left guard. We expected that. Um, you know, a couple of these guard centers getting some of that work, but. Uh, a guy like Deontay Smith is that trying to make tackle guard. I mean, the more you can do, the yep. better off you are. So uh, it, it makes sense. Why not? So let's get to your third and final takeaway here for uh, for the side of the ball. Uh, Amari Rogers, he belongs in the conversation as uh, the best receiver here. And wow. uh, we, we both really like Amari Rogers. We do. Yep. So, you know, I don't think that's a, it's not a huge surprise that I think he's having a good week, but he he's been he looks like a professional receiver out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is such a stacked receiver group. Uh, Kadarius Tony, I think he's probably the top guy. Um, you know, came in uh, as as the top receiver, and I think he's probably going to leave as the top receiver. Uh, D. Eskridge continues to prove why he's a day two pick. But Rogers, he's just so dang consistent. Uh, the ball skills, the toughness. And when I when I study receivers, there's obviously a lot of things you look for. Two of the most important qualities for me focus and finish. And he's been outstanding in both areas. He's making plays over uh, defensive backs, uh, you know, stabbing the ball, then putting it away, finishing it uh, to the ground, finishing plays. I graded him as a late two coming into the week, but he's looked even better than that. I I think Amari Rogers uh, is leaving mobile uh, as a guy that teams are talking about. We will be talking about him here uh, in a little bit with his position coach, Tyler Grisham. We'll talk about Amari Rogers and Cornell Powell. Dane, uh, as always, this has been great. We'll catch up with you for one more practice recap tomorrow. Enjoy your your last 24, 36, 48 hours uh, in Mobile, my man. Thanks, friend. Now it's time for Pick 6. 
All right, so for pick six, I've been through the film now, and I want to kind of pivot a little bit. I want to try and give this a little bit of a theme because uh, based off the conversation I had earlier with Dane when we talked about Quinn Miners and uh, you know just how he's kind of surpassed expectation. And as I was watching film tonight, I'm watching some of these players make plays. And I'm like, you know, there are, I wasn't really expecting this from this guy. I wasn't expecting that from this guy. Well, I thought, you know what, let's talk about some of those players that maybe are flying a little bit under the radar, the, the guys that we weren't necessarily expecting to come in and light it up. Because I'll tell you what, I saw some great catches today from Tylen Wallace. I expected that. Tylen Wallace was one of my favorite players coming into the week. D. Eskridge. We expected D. Eskridge to look as good as he's looked this week. There are a bunch of guys, you go right down the list, that we expected. Those guys are checking the box, meeting what we had as preconceived notions coming into the week of practice. But who are the guys that are kind of taking that next step? Quinn Miners, great example. Uh, Dane brought up another one. Cade Johnson, the wide receiver from South Dakota State. I think that he is kind of outperforming what I expected of him coming in. Since we already talked about with Cade, with Dane, I figured, all right, who are some other guys that I think you can kind of throw into that bucket? For me personally, this is all just from my vantage point because I know Dane was a big fan of Shy Smith, the wide receiver from South Carolina. I was not as big of a fan. I thought, the, the, honestly, the big question I had about him was his route running. I thought it was a little bit more inconsistent than I would like to see. He was outstanding at the catch point. I didn't see him as a dynamic athlete, and I didn't see him as a technician, so I wondered how he was going to separate. Here in Mobile, he's done a really nice job of creating space for himself to work. He's done, so, he's done some nice things at the top of break points where he's you know using his eyes, using his shoulders, using his hips to throw the defender off his trail and create some separation while still maintaining that ability to go up, climb the ladder, and finish at the catch point. He's made a couple of really impressive grabs so far this week in practice. So I'll go with the wide receiver, Shy Smith. I don't want to say that he'd be the most. I'm just gonna, I'm kind of going off the, off the cuff here. He would be a guy that I would certainly bring up. Another one. Ade Ogudenji, the pass rusher from Notre Dame. Now, Ogudenji is an interesting guy because he's extremely long. He lines up off the edge, but he also has that position flexibility to line up inside. I wouldn't call him a great pass rusher, but just a disruptive player, has a well-rounded game. And it's really interesting. I posted a clip, of, I want to say late Tuesday night, uh, of Ogudenji. And Phil Perry, who covers the, uh, the New England Patriots, had responded and said, you know, Ogudenji fits the body type in New England. Really reminds me of Trey Flowers, very similar skill set, and I, you know what? That's that really uh, re- resonates with me. I could see that kind of comparison, and looking at what Ogunenji did, even on Wednesday, you saw more of that disruptive ability. I think he struggles a little bit against double teams in the run game. I think that showed up in some team periods today. But when he's one on one, especially in a tight alignment, whether it's a a three technique over the guard, a five technique head up right over the tackle just on the outside shade. I think he's got that ability to be disruptive. I don't know if he's going to have the juice that you really want off the edge as a wide technique on a consistent down-by-down basis. But looking at Ogudenji and what he's done so far this week, I feel like for those teams that use those tight defensive linemen, uh, you know, whether it's a, you know, someone that's playing in a two-gap scheme, on base downs or you know whether you just need that one guy to be a more of a run stuffing defensive end that's going to line up a little bit tighter and you've got uh, more of a you know people call it Leo's or an open side end a designated pass rusher on the opposite side I feel like Ogunenji kind of fits that that specific role and I, I was worried about whether or not he had enough to be a true starter I think he's done enough here that I feel like he could be kind of in that vein for some scheme so Ogunenji would be in one name that I would throw in there. A couple other defensive linemen as well. Uh, Ellerson Smith. 
from Northern Iowa. Now, uh, this guy came in really looking the part. He was one of the more impressive guys uh, at the weigh-ins, especially in the lower half. The way that he's built, and he's really long as well. So you're talking about another guy just like Ogudenji who's got that body type, and he's been disruptive in practice. He's had some really nice reps, winning with power, winning with effort, winning with some technique. So I think Ellerson Smith from Northern Iowa, I would put in that group as somebody who has really impressed me so far. Chauncey Golston, and, and this was a guy that Ben was really high on. We talked about him earlier uh, earlier this week on Tuesday's episode. Golston I, I was the same thing as Ogadenji. I said, you know what? I just don't know how much juice he's going to give you off the edge. I don't know if he's enough of a pass rusher that I would say, yeah, I, I want him to be even a top three or four defensive end for me. But when you come in as big as he is with a, with the wingspan that he's got, he has g- given you some good reps this week uh, as an interior lineman. And I feel like he's got the, hey, you know what? On pass rush downs, even if it's, if it's third and eleven. Yeah, maybe you don't want me on the field. You're going to take me off. But uh, if it's third and five, third and four, you still have the threat of the run there. I'm going to let the, I can move him inside. He can give me a little bit of disruptive ability there. And we'll, we'll see if he can get after the quarterback. I think he's shown some strength. He's absolutely strong enough to defend the run. He sets strong edges. But uh, just showing off some of that position versatility, he's lined up inside and outside in Mobile this week, and he's made some plays. So I'm going to go with Chauncey Golson as another one. Trey Brown. The corner from Oklahoma. Uh, he'll be the uh, the fifth name that I will bring up here. He's done a really nice job. And I've had questions about his long speed. Most of his reps this week have come from the slot. One of the things I did see from him on film, I thought his route instincts were really, really good. And what do I mean by that? When I say route instincts, I talk about a player that has that ability to run the route for the receiver. If, if he's in man-to-man coverage, he, he sees the route as it's developing, and it's almost like a mirror image. As the receiver's putting his foot in the ground, the corner's putting his foot in the ground. As he's breaking outside, the corner's breaking outside. That's what you're looking for for those guys in the from a man coverage standpoint. And then in zone coverage, that ability to kind of read route concepts developing in front of them, around them, behind them, and showing the ability to kind of get into throwing lanes. I think when you look at, at uh, Trey Brown, he showed that on film. He's brought that with him, and he's also shown the ability to run a little bit downfield. So uh, Trey Brown would be a guy, he's just made plays every day, and he's just looked impressive. Um, One of the more impressive defensive backs, I would say, on that squad for the national team. I'd throw Thomas Graham uh, in there as well. He wasn't a guy that I was going to name, but Thomas Graham, uh, I'd throw in there with Trey Brown. As a guy, I wasn't sure if he could be more than uh, a fourth or fifth corner, probably more of a fifth corner that is going to play special teams. Thomas Graham, of the especially of the corners on that squad, I feel like, uh, and he is from Oregon, by the way, he, he's had probably the best week uh, of that group. My last one, and this guy I actually didn't watch because he was a very late addition to the game. Tony Poljan, the tight end from Virginia, pulled out uh, late last week due to an injury, I believe. So John Bates from Boise State was added. I didn't know much about Bates. I did the bio information. I took a look at it. Uh, obviously, was not very productive in the past game when you just look at the box score. I didn't know quite what to expect. He is a really impressive blocker. You know, whether you're one-on-one against defensive ends, I can't tell you how many times I've said he's lined up against Patrick Jones. He's lined up against Rashad Weaver. He's lined up against some of these other defensive ends here, and he's winning one-on-one, and not just stalemate, but he's moving them off their spot. Uh, Pass protection, he's doing a nice job there. He had a diving catch on Tuesday, uh, so showing a little bit of pass catching chops as well. So uh, I would throw John Bates there uh, as maybe the name that's impressed me most, maybe because I just had no preconceived notion about him coming in. But the six names, Shai Smith, the wide receiver from South Carolina, Ade Ugudenji, the defensive lineman from Notre Dame, Oklahoma corner Trey Brown, Iowa defensive lineman Chauncey Golston, 
Northern Iowa defensive end, Ellerson Smith, and then Boise State tight end, John Bates. Those would be six guys that I feel like have surpassed expectations. And I mentioned earlier, guys that, you know, hey, they are what we thought they were coming in. I think two of those guys would be the Clemson wide receiver duo of Amari Rogers and Cornell Powell. Well, here to talk about those two guys, their position coach, Tyler Grisham. He's this week's, or I should say, he's today's Mr. Relevant. It's time for Mr. Relevant. Well, excited to welcome in Clemson wide receivers coach Tyler Grisham. Coach, thanks for joining us here on the show. Man, thank you so much for having me. Excited to uh, talk about my guys. Well, no question. You've got two guys that I I find to be two of the most interesting stories here going down to the Senior Bowl. And with Amari Rogers and with Cornell Powell, I want to start first with Amari because you know, obviously this year played the full season, but going back to his junior year in 2019, what he was able to do, if, if our listeners don't know, he tore his ACL back in the spring that year, returned 166 days later, I believe, to play early in the season. Can you just talk, I mean, just speak to the character that it takes for a guy like that to be able to make that kind of recovery and play so quickly? Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, we, we knew Amari whenever he got hurt um, that he would um, man, give his all in, in rehab. And uh, we expected him to come back strong. And uh, but we had no idea um, that he would be able to come back so quickly. And um, it was funny, his, his first game back, he ended up um, not really knowing what he'd be able to do. He had a full, you know, knee brace on uh, and his first game back was against Syracuse, I believe. And his, uh, one of his catches was just a little, uh, bubble, uh, you know, a, a run outlet, uh, to the field. He caught that thing, um, stiffed arm a guy and took it to the house for, I don't know, an 80 yard touchdown, you know, and, and outran the defense, you know, and so, um, we weren't shocked by that, you know, but I think everybody else probably was not expecting, um, a guy that's that's come off a, a major injury and returned so quickly to be able to produce so well, um, and he did. He played the rest of that of the year and um, and the position and played and played well and um, was was happy to get him back um, because of and we'll talk more about this soon. But just of who he is, his his leadership and and obviously his his on the field ability, but. Um, but kind of going into this year, you know, we had a, a really good conversation because, you know, with that knee, um, he maybe didn't realize this, but he, um, he wasn't truly himself. You know, he, he probably subconsciously was, was, was um, thinking he knew he had that injury, you know, he had that brace on and um, wasn't playing to his full potential, you know, and I think for him, he, he, he really attacked the offseason heading into uh, the 20, uh, 2020 season, really attacked it. You know, and wanted to make sure that when that brace came off, um, he wasn't thinking about it. He was playing full speed and having fun and being confident, and he really did that this past year. So you, you talked about it from a, a leadership standpoint and from people I've talked to, like he is aces across the board when you talk about just his overall football character and what he's meant to that program before we get to him on the field can you just speak to you know just the kind of guy uh, that he is what is he going to bring to his future NFL team yeah he, he's a pro's pro I mean he he are, his approach already is is like he's an NFL receiver um, and everybody looked up to him I mean he's a he's a um, you know a follow me uh, follow my example type of guy not a huge rah-rah guy 
Um, and that's fine. And that's one thing I try to encourage them in is, you know, there's, there's time to, to speak up and, and to lead um, and get in front of a room, whether that be the wide receiver room or the, or the offensive, you know, uh, group. But, man, his, the way that he led best was just, you know, um, being the example um, in, in all areas. And, uh, man, he, he is such a likable guy and, and um, a guy that, that honestly is, is working tirelessly, you know. And he's, what's cool about him is, is he's bringing guys along with him. You know, I think that's what's really important is, you know, don't just, you know, do the work um, and, and get noticed. But, man, try to help bring a, a young guy along, you know. And so he was always that, that upperclassman that was looking out and, and trying to um, mentor you know, his, his younger, uh, teammates and, um, but, and, you know, man, everybody, um, appreciated him. Everybody trusted him. And it's because he was just so consistent. He was so consistent, um, day in and day out, you know, you, you never knew if he was having a bad day, you know, and I think having that approach is so important in this game because it's a very challenging game, you know, and there's plenty of days where you don't want to, you don't want to practice. You don't want, you don't want to give your all. Um, and yet Amari did, you, you, you know, you, you could turn your back um, on, any, on any given play and not have to worry about whether he, one, was going to know his assignment, uh, but two, also was going to give every every ounce of, of energy he had um, on each and every play, you know. But, um, man, just a pro's pro, um, the, the kind of guy that's going to come in and, and totally make an impact in that locker room um, and earn the respect of, of his teammates um, day one. Coach, just from an on-field standpoint, you know, what the skill set that he brings to the NFL, I find him to be kind of an interesting you know, example of what slot receivers can be now in the NFL, get the ball in their hands and let them work after the catch. What does he bring from an on-field standpoint uh, to his, you know, his future NFL team? Yeah, one thing that, that, stand out, stand, that stood out this year is um, his ability to, to, to hit the home run play. You know, I think when you think of slot, you think of possession. Yep. Um, kind of guy and and that's great and, and he is that but you can also um diagram a play uh to get him open and to take a shot down the field mm. you know and, and we had to do that we had some injuries <clears throat> excuse me we had some injuries this year and some of our taller rangier guys on the on the perimeter you know went down and, and so we had to be creative and find ways to to get amari you know some of some of those deeper shots down the field, and we moved him around a little bit. But a lot of those shots came from the slot position. You know, he sometimes would align wide, but majority of the time came from the slot. So that's one thing that I think kind of you know makes him stand apart from your other quote unquote slots. But when it comes to you know what you really are looking in a slot is is you know speed, but but quickness, right? Change of direction, the ability to separate. Um, he has that, and he's so precise. You know, and I think. What's funny is I'm, I'm following up with him and, and um, you know, um, following him with his with his journey right now as he trains for, you know, I guess now it's pro days with the combine not not taking place, sure. right, uh, which is unfortunate. But, you know, I'm watching him and, and seeing the, the responses, even from uh, from Chad, Chad Johnson, you know, who's who's made some comments about him. I mean, this guy right here, he can he can play. I know receivers and he can play. Right. Well, I'm not shocked to see that, to hear that, because. Um, everybody knew that he brought that and he had that ability. Um, so he, he's so precise. His route running is, is really crisp and clean. Um, he's got great acceleration and he, he run, he's got great top end speed, but it looks like he's not even trying, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like a sneaky, 
kind of top end speed. He's got, he's got that. And he consistently pulls away from people. Um, but what another thing that I think is, is unique is I think he was maybe second behind Devonte Smith and yak. Um, and that's huge, right? I mean, if you, you want to get the ball in a guy's hands and, and get it to him quick and then count on him to make the first guy miss sometimes the second or third guy miss and, and you know, and, and, and get a first down, you know, um, you know, and one thing that I tried to do with our guys is I track uh, yak and every time you touch the ball, I'm giving these guys points, right? Production points for, for yak of 10 yards or more. And, and so they were hungry to try to get these extra production points each and every game. And so, you know, Amari stiff arm, he's got a stiff arm, like a, like a dang running back, you yeah. know? So he, he's built like a running back. And so he can, man, he, you can get him a little bubble screen. You can get him a screen and, um, or, you know, a quick game throw, and he's going to be quick to the tuck, get up field and, and uh, you know, make somebody pay, um, which is unique for a wide out. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about him on the show before. Golden Tate is a guy that, you know, certainly kind of comes to mind. Debo Samuel, I know a guy that you guys know, uh, seeing him every single year, similar kind of skill set to those two guys. I want to ask you now about Cornell Powell, uh, a guy that's a little bit different in terms of his body type and his overall usage. Tell us about the on-field. What does Cornell bring on the field? What is his skill set going forward into the NFL? Well, it's it's funny. I kind of joke around with him. He he kind of looks like one of those Under Armour mannequins you're going to see in the store. He just (laughs) built – freaky you know and his his reach is unbelievable he's got great length and he's not you know he's maybe a six you know six one and some change or so but he has the length his his reach is 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 one of like maybe a a six four six five kind of guy I mean he really does and you can see that when you when you look at him in a uniform it's uh so he's he's got the, the the length you want um which is phenomenal and he uses it you know and he plays like a bigger guy than he is you know, he, he had waited his turn. I'll get to my point here. He had waited his turn for a while, right? This is his, this is, was his fifth season, you know, and, and um, waited his turn and, and could have left. There's so many guys that could have, you know, would have moved on and he didn't. <clears throat> and um, I sat down with him. I said, listen, man, you have, you have great ability and let's unleash it. Let's unleash it this year, you know, and, and he really went to work. And, and one thing that, people don't know is that he's one of the strongest guys we have on our team. I mean, he, he probably, I think he power cleans like three thirty plus and they ended up stopping him. He could have gone more. Um, but you know, as a wide alley man, there's a point where you, you know, enough's enough, you know, let's not get injured in that room. And, uh, but he's so strong and he uses his strength and, and physicality um, to his advantage, you know, and I think one thing he learned is, man, you, you can take the fight, to a DB, man, let's, let's be aggressive. Let's take the fight to him and let's create some separation early at the line of scrimmage. And, and what will help you, man, is, is that if that happens, that'll help you down the field. And, and so, you know, he uses his strength to his, to his advantage and he has great top end speed. You know, he really does. Um, he, he can outrun guys. He can, he can high point the ball really well. <clears throat> He's got really strong hands. Um, really good route runner uh, as well. And so it's, it's, he's kind of a, a cross between a slot type of skill set and, and more of a rangy kind of field, <clears throat> you know, Z receiver. Um, but what's cool about him is that he's also really smart, you know, and I, I should have said that about Amari too. They're both, they're both high IQ, football IQ guys, but Cornell, um, our first game against Notre Dame, we lost in, in double overtime. Um, our boundary receiver got injured. And he went from playing the field receiver to the boundary receiver. And that boundary guy has a lot of kind of 
one-on-one um, sure. routes that takes a lot of memorization that doesn't necessarily fit with the field. Um, and he, he's been around, but he was able to, to man that position um, the entire, entire second half of the game and did so well, really well and, and made plays. Um, but man, I, I think for him, if you look at it against Ohio State, he really, you know, he had a good showing against Wade. And I told him, man, this is a this is a resume a resume building game for you. And he used a variety of release techniques and and got open consistently. Um, and so I, I think that game right there, um, you know, that's not the only one, but man, that game right there really showed his ability and and um, he has a great tool set that he can use and, and pull out any tool he needs at any time. Coach, I feel like one of the buzzwords that is around all of the scouting community, you know, when you're talking about trying to project guys from college to the NFL, I'm sure you guys do it in high school to college as well, is how does a guy fight through adversity? And I feel like that's kind of a, a good theme with both of these guys in different scenarios is, you know, Amari coming back from that injury, how he responded just kind of speaks to his makeup. You look at Cornell and you mentioned it. I mean, uh, he's behind all these other guys all throughout his career. So with the transfer portal now, so many of these other guys would have taken, you know, taken that way and said, you know what, I'm going to go, you know, prove myself elsewhere. He stays put, he fights through it, and he becomes a starter in his final year and has a great season. Amen to that. Exactly right. I mean, I, I think the guys, they, they love Clemson. That's, that's one thing is they, they love our program. Um, they love their teammates. Um, it's a special place. And, 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 you know, there's plenty of instances where guys could have gone onto the NFL and would have been drafted and yet they've returned, you know, um, at many different positions. Um, and so I think that's part of it, but also, you know, man, these guys, they, they love the game. They love to compete. You know, if, if you don't like to compete, um, it's, it's hard to, to, uh, to be successful. Um, and, you know, Cornell had first and second rounders in front of them, yep. you know, every year, um, last year, you know, T Higgins was the first pick of the second round, you know, um, he, he, so he's had a lot of guys that have been very successful in front of him. And so I think he knew that, hey, okay, listen, this is, this is my year, talking about Cornell here, this is my year to, to really have a shot at, at being, being the guy or being one of the guys. <clears throat> and so he went to work and, and he, he earned the starting position. And what's cool about him is that <clears throat> he, he worked to, to maintain that, you know, because it is, it's, I think what's cool about, about Clemson is that, and it really prepares you for the NFL and that, and you got to earn your job every day. You, you really have to go to work. And you know what? You have other guys in this room that can play and they want to be a starter, you know? And so, man, I, I got to go and I got to get better, but I have to earn my job every day, you know? And so, and he did that. He did that and he led by example. And then Amari, you know, yeah, again, we've talked about him coming back from that injury, but he was hungry. He knew that, that this year was going to be big for him. We needed both he and Cornell to step up and they did because of the, other, the, uh, the injuries we had to the other guys. And, and um, man, Amari, Amari was on a mission, you know, cause he knew that um, he's been kind of um, overlooked. I, I think he's under the radar, maybe more. I, I don't know. We'll see. Um, I wouldn't be shocked to see him go in the second or third round. I mean, because um, he really is special, you know, and, and so someone is going to, is going to pick him up earlier than, than, than other teams are going to want you know, because uh, he, he really does have a bright future. And I, I think uh, Amari will stick in the league for quite a long time. Um, I, I think he'll, I think he'll, he'll last. Um, and, and you know what's cool about him, him and Cornell say this too. They play, they play special teams. Yep. They're, they're, they're unselfish players. They, they care about the team. You know, dang, uh, Cornell's running a, a go around on third down and has to come back. And now he's a gunner on punt team. Amari Rogers is our fullback and off returner on kickoff return, having to block for 
our, our, uh, our return man. You know, he's not getting the ball more times than not, and yet he's, he's, he's leading up in there to try to block, you know, a screaming, you know, L5 on kickoff coverage, you know. And that's – so these guys aren't prima, donna, pre, prima donnas, um, which is important. At wide out, there's a lot of them out there, you yeah. know. And so you're getting a, a hard-nosed players, both of them, um, that are, are going to do the gritty work that you want uh, your, your wide outs to do and block. And Cornell was our, our highest graded blocker. Uh, PFF, is, he's our highest graded blocker. You know, and those are things that, you know, that's, that's being a complete receiver. You know what I mean? And so, uh, anyway, I, I know I'm rambling now and talking about my guys. I get fired up about them, man. <laughs> so, uh, but those are two great guys. I was, I was honored to, to coach them and, and excited about their futures. Well, it's a, a testament to the culture you guys have built, not just in that program, but in that receiver room over the years. Coach Grisham, thanks so much for joining us here on the Journey to the Draft podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy. Talk to you again soon. Best of luck to you guys here moving forward. All right, brother. Thank you, man. Now it's time to hear from you, the fans, in the Draft Mailbag. Hope you guys have enjoyed that interview, uh, not just with Coach Grisham there, who was awesome, by the way, but also with uh, Adam Fuller yesterday from Florida State, with uh, Jamie Chadwell from Coastal Carolina, from Pat Narduzzi, uh, from Pitt. Awesome to be able to catch up with these coaches and uh, get a little bit of the lowdown on these players. And it's a little it's not the same thing that uh, the same conversations that they're going to have with scouts, but you know, kind of similar. You're trying to get some of that same information, uh, especially the character stuff. And that's what I'm always trying to get. What, how are these kids wired? What are their, what are their motivations? Why is it, you know, what are the, the things, the examples of what they can bring on and off the field? I think that that uh, is the stuff that teams are always on the hunt for. So hope you guys have enjoyed uh, those conversations. Thanks so much to Coach Grisham for joining us here on the show. Let's get to a couple of questions from you at home. We're going to start things off with T. Fuller09, who's got a mock draft, says, I love the show. Watch every single episode. I'm assuming over on YouTube. Can you take a look at my mock draft from the Draft Network and let me know what you think? So we'll just take a look at this Eagles-only mock draft. He's got the Eagles selecting Patrick Sertan Jr., the corner from Alabama, a player that I love. He checks a lot of boxes when you look at uh, his physicality, his instincts, his length, uh, his ability to go up and play the football. He's certainly athletic enough. Some people are going to question, you know, does he have just Good speed, above average speed. He doesn't have elite speed. What is the, What does that speed look like? That will be a little bit of a question with Sertain, but he checks so many boxes when you're looking at the cornerback spot. I think he's a really, really good player. Certainly one of the best in this class. Then you get uh, to day two, Amon Ross St. Brown from uh, USC, who was a really productive player and has done a lot uh, for that USC offense. I'm excited to do a little bit more work on him. I know Ben and Dane are big, big fans of Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, Javon Holland from Oregon, another Pac-12 player. This is a guy I have done. Now, he did not play this year. He opted out back in the summer, but he was a ball-hawking safety who spent a lot of time playing in the middle of the field. He's got a lot of, res- uh, of experience as a slot defender, has a nose for the football, middle zones, playing man-to-man. You'll see him play deep as well. But, you know, if, if you like the, the Buddha Bakers of the world, that's kind of the, the honey badgers. That's kind of the skill set. That's the profile. Not saying that he is that guy. I'm saying that's the profile of what Javon Holland brings to the table. After that, we'll get to day three. You've got a linebacker here, Amari Bernie, an offensive lineman in Trey Hill, a tight end in Luke Farrell, a wide receiver in Tamori and Terry from Florida State, Florida corner Trey Dean, and then Oregon running back C.J. Verdell. I'm going to hit on a couple of those guys on the back end. Tamori and Terry from Florida State is an interesting name, and I have not seen the official list of all the underclassmen who have declared for the draft so far, but I will say that Terry, uh, he left Florida State in the middle of the season, and there was a lot of, you know, there was reports, all right, is he going to go to the draft or is he going to enter the transfer portal? 
I have not seen him on the transfer portal as of this point. So my guess is that he is going to be declaring for this draft. He's a big, long possession receiver. Uh, he can go up and get it. He also made a lot of plays yards after catch going back to the previous offense in 2019. They would get him the football and just let him run. It was that Baylor style of offense, limited route tree, but uh, big, long speed. That certainly plays. Uh, you know, you've got that ability to make some big plays. I, I think Tamari and Terry, uh, an intriguing player, not a, not a finished product by any means, but uh, in that range of the draft, that's what you're looking for are guys with some unique traits, and I think Terry uh, has some of that. Trey Dean, I would put in that same category. Uh, you look at what he's done at Florida over the course of his three-year career. He's also, like Terry, big, long, athletic but he's also versatile. He's played some safety. He's played some slot. He's played outside corner. So uh, when you have some of those traits and also that versatility, that will serve him well moving forward into the NFL as well. Uh, so T. Fuller, thanks so much. Good mock draft there. Hope you got the uh, the insight you were looking for. Let's go to one last one. And I love this question. This is from Cut on Limes from our Apple podcast page saying, big fan of the show. My favorite part of the NFL is the draft and following college prospects. What is your favorite part of the draft process. And that's from Cam. So first of all, I love the name. I love cut on limes. Uh, second, see, this is a tough one. I, I personally love watching players for the first time. So, uh, the, you know, when, when it's May, June, July, and there's not a lot of opinions out there on players yet, the narrative has been far from written on a lot of players and you're going in basically with, you know, the, the, a sheet over your eyes and say, all right, let's, let's see what I find. This, that's a fun part of the process for me. And even there are underclassmen. I just mentioned Amon Ross St. Brown. I have not really done a lot on Amon Ross St. Brown yet. He's just a, a junior that I had not gotten to. Um, there are a handful of other guys that kind of fit that bill. I'm excited to dig further into those guys. Watching guys for the first time is always fun. It's always exciting, especially when they're blue chip players and you have an idea, hey, this guy's going to be a good one. It's always fun to be able to watch guys for the first time. That being said, and it stinks this year, obviously, with the, you know just the state of the world, the state of the country. I'm not going to be able to go to any of these trips. But going to the Combine, going to the Senior Bowl, going to the East-West Shrine Bowl, uh, not just to see players live because that, that's always fun, but just being able to catch up with people that you know um, from all around the league, whether it's from a media side or um, you know from a league side as well, uh, that's always you know fun because – Look, you try and keep the touch best you can through text and, and you know through phone calls every once in a while throughout the course of the season. But uh, it's always good to be able to just kind of catch up, see people face to face, and kind of have those connections. That's tough to have, uh, you know, in today's world at times. So um, yeah, I would say b- being able to go on these trips is also uh, one of my favorite parts of the process for sure. But in terms of the actual evaluation process, it's definitely watching guys for the first time. So uh, great question there from Cam. Obviously the whole process gives me a lot of juice. That's why we do this podcast uh, as often as we do. Hope you guys enjoyed today's episode of the Journey to the Draft podcast driven by AAA. We will be back tomorrow for our third day of practice recast. We'll also start turning our attention towards Saturday, towards the game. We'll do all of that tomorrow right here on the Journey to the Draft podcast driven by AAA. Raise a glass to that comforting feeling of an Eagles touchdown with the all-new Broaden Patterson Wine Collection created in partnership with Wink. Featuring a Cabernet, a Rosé, and a Chardonnay, Broad and Patterson wines are the perfect pairing for any occasion. Now you can bring the sweet taste of victory with you to a dinner with friends or to the tailgate with your game day crew. Purchase online today at philadelphiaeagles.com wine to stock up and have Broad and Patterson delivered right to your door. A portion of proceeds from every bottle benefit Eagles Autism Foundation.